How you guys doing? Good. You guys doing well? You guys doing well? I hear y'all still talking, which is good. Um, I'm going to ask uh, JMO, do you mind, uh, just with one of those water bottles that's on the table back there, uh, just right in front of you, uh, do you mind grabbing one of those water bottles and filling it up? Yeah, that'd be sweet. I need water. I'm getting all uh, caught in mouthy. Are you actually going to drink it while you speak? Probably. Probably. I am. Uh, I am desperately thirsty. No, I get um, you, man. It happens. It throat? happens. Yeah, it's crazy. I'm telling you, everybody's getting it. I know. I know. No, it's crazy. I've even quit. Like, I've quit smoking. Like, legitimately, just because of that. There you go. That's good. That's good. That's good. Uh, you guys got your Bibles with you? Yes, sir. You guys got your Bibles? Um, yeah. There we go. Someone already knew I was going to say, "Let me see them." They put them up. Uh, thank you, J Mo. I appreciate that. Um, I'm going to drink some water real quick. Hold on. I normally ask for water and then I hold it. I, I raise it to my mouth like 37 times during a sermon, but never actually drink from it. I don't know why. It's just like my comfort thing. Um, but uh, we're going to dive in tonight, guys, because we have a lot to cover. Um, next week, uh, we have a guest speaker. Uh, and so we're going to just knock through John 15 and John 16 tonight. We can do that. Yeah, yeah, and everyone said, what? Uh, you've been in John for 39 weeks and you're just through chapter 14? You're going to try and chat, cut two chapters in one night? It's going to be crazy. do I'm preaching for an hour and 32 minutes, uh, so buckle your seatbelts. Uh, Logan's like, uh, see ya. <laughs> oh no, you buckled, yes. Uh, no, uh, I actually, guys, uh, I have no clue how long I'm going to go. Um, but I just know we're diving in. Uh, we're going to do offering and all that good stuff afterwards. I have some announcements and some, uh, some sign-ups for you guys uh, to do afterwards. Uh, but if you have your Bibles, turn with me to John chapter 15. When you get there, let me know by saying holla. If you're not there, let me know by saying hold up. We got any hold-ups out there? Uh, hold up. All right. It would be the folks in the back section. They say, hold up. I'm just messing. Oh, they're trying to fight. They're trying to fight. It's a good one. It's a good one. Um, uh, worship was good tonight. That was rich. Uh, thank you, Mariah. And thank you all for uh, for singing. Um, I lost my voice a little bit because of a phone call I was on right before. And so I didn't sing as much, so I got to hear you guys. Uh, and it's just fun listening to you guys worship. Uh, and just sing the praises uh, of Jesus. So uh, props to y'all. You guys all in John 15? This is what it says in a a very familiar portion of Scripture. But also, um, yeah, this is a a familiar part, but it's it's a very necessary part to us. And this is what it says. I am the true vine, and uh, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Let's pray. Dear God, we just thank you so much for your word. Uh, God, we thank you that your word is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. Uh, God, and it, it, it pierces, uh, God, through the bone and the marrow, to the soul and the spirit, God, and it reveals to us the motives and the intents uh, of our heart. And God, I just pray that your word would reveal truth to us tonight, God, that tonight, 
uh, we would have an experience and an encounter with you. Uh, God, as you, by your Holy Spirit, reveal truth to us through your word. Uh, God, as we uh, just look at the very things that you, uh, through your son, said uh, to us. And God, we're just reminded last week that when our heart is troubled, uh, that we believe in God, we are to believe in Jesus as well. And that Jesus is God. And so, God, we thank you that these are your words spoken to us, the word becoming flesh and dwelling amongst us. And so, God, we just pray that tonight your holy word would speak to us. God, I pray that none of these tonight would be my words, but, God, that your perfect word would speak through anything that would be of me. God, may it fall in deaf ears or may not even be able to get it out of my mouth, but, God, that your perfect word would come through. And, God, that truth would be revealed uh, to each and every single one of us. Uh, God, that there would be clarity um, where there is maybe uh, confusion. Uh, God, that there would be uh, light where maybe there's darkness. Uh, God, that be your word. That would just bring life in every single one of us. So, God, we just thank you. God, we praise you in your son's wonderful and beautiful name, Jesus Christ, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. So, I said I'm going to try and conquer two chapters tonight. It's not going to happen, just so you guys know. We're going to have to pick back up as really bad as, as I want to just bust through these because these are two of my favorite chapters in all of scripture if you could get like a if you could get like a triple of like the best three chapters in a row uh, john 14 through john 16 are just ridiculously crazy off the hook just jesus revealing truth he's in this upper room discourse where he's kicking it with the disciples uh judas has already left uh and they're just talking the other gospels don't uh uh, give us any more on this, but John gives us this whole discourse that takes place in the upper room on the night that Jesus is going to be uh, being betrayed. And I think because Jesus is God, he knows that the end is like right around the corner. He knows tonight is the night. And he's like, I am going to unleash everything I can on my disciples. Those who are true disciples, I'm just going to unload all of this on them. And, and, and last week, uh, we looked at Jesus' claims at, uh, of, of divinity and how he is the only way, how he's not only a carpenter by his physical trade, because Joseph was a carpenter, but that he is a spiritual and heavenly carpenter. He's going and building mansions for us. Uh, and it's uh, How many of you guys ever watched the TV show Extreme Makeover Home Edition? Like, awesome. You get like these little, my favorite one. This was so cool. It was like a family of like 11 uh, and, and they, they didn't have that much, but they were given everything they had to give back to the community. The dad was like a football coach, uh, but, but the dad died. And then the mom's trying to raise like all 11 kids and they're just having this hard time. And, they, and they're literally living in like this two bedroom, just run down like ranch home and extreme, maker, home, uh, extreme makeover home edition hears about it. Uh, and Ty comes with the cool hair and you know he's got the like, like, like choker necklace and he's just ready to go. And they do this thing, they rebuild this house, they build this gigantic mansion, like 14 bedrooms, huge kitchen, one of those big like walk-in refrigerators. Can I get an amen for walk-in refrigerators? Come on, come on, preach it. Uh, but the best part, the thing that got me about this is they put a 25-yard turf football field in with a mini upright. And so these, this family of 11 has like their own football field they can play on. And right next, so like there's the end zone with the goal post. And then on the other end is the, like the swimming pool, and right here is the trampoline with the basketball court. It's like this is the coolest home ever. And the bus is right there in front, and then the bus driver moved that bus, and like the family breaks down and cries. America cries with the family because it's amazing. And here's the thing: Jesus is building mansions for us up in heaven. I don't know about you guys, but it's going to be crazy. Uh, I mean, 
Legitimately, I could live in a shoebox in heaven and it would be crazy because it's probably made out of gold, which is ridiculous. But Jesus is preparing a mansion for us. And the Bible tells us, the Bible tells us that uh, if it were not so, he would not have told us. So we can take that to the bank. It is our hope that Jesus has something for us in heaven. And the really cool thing uh, about humanity uh, is that God has given us imagination. Uh, and how many of you guys have an imagination? Just a little bit of an imagination. I have a crazy You have a crazy I have a crazy imagination. My imagination just goes wild. Yeah. And, and, and I think that's cool. And I think that's uh, if, if we use it correctly, God can use it oh, yeah. to do some pretty sweet things. But just begin to imagine what heaven's going to be like. And your mind cannot even comprehend it because God's going to do above and beyond anything that we can ask or imagine. It's like so much greater when we're talking about gold that's clear and rainbows that are green, I mean, we're, it's, it's crazy stuff. That's not even in my sermon. I don't know where I'm going here. <laughs> we're going to do 15 and 16. I can't get off of 14 because it's so great. Uh, but, guys, 15, 15 opens up with a portion of Scripture. That How many of you guys uh, grew up in church? How many of you guys grew up in church? Um, just so you guys know, for anyone who's counting, that's four times I picked up my water bottle and said, oh. no, it's going to happen a lot more. Pause, um, <laughs> I'm drinking, I'm thirsty. So Sunday school, how many of you guys sing the song uh, about uh, I am the vine and he is, oh, uh, he is the vine and we are the branches, banner over me. You guys remember that one? Oh, I do. So this is the portion of scripture that comes from. I butchered the song. I won't sing again, I promise. Uh, in the next five minutes, I won't sing. I might sing later on. Um, but this is what it says. Jesus says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. What Jesus is talking about here is he's talking about the church and he's talking about uh, this God-established, Jesus-ordained organism that is known as the church, and he is the chief cornerstone. He is the vine that holds it all together, and the Father is the vine dresser, the one who is going to come and who is going to uh, take those away who do not bear fruit, and those who bear fruit, he's going to prune. Um, I'm not a gardener by any sense of the term. Uh, I uh, do not have a green thumb. I one time thought I wanted to be a gardener, and so my mom took me. Uh, to Fred Meyer Home Improvement Store, uh, and I went to the, the the little aisle where they have the little bags of seed. My mom said, "Pick something," and uh, I don't know what came over me that year, but I decided uh, I was going to be a jalapeno farmer. <laughs> was going to be a jalapeno farmer, and I grew me some jalapenos, uh, and they were really good. And sometimes they they like would just grow these little ones and die, and we pick them off, and then from that we get these really big jalapenos. And I kid you not, man, we had like cucumber-sized jalapenos. Uh, all of them died but one. I have no clue why. It was like when you blow up a balloon and then you like squeeze all the air into one section, it just gets huge. All those little jalapenos died, but we had this big jalapeno. And this is how awesome I was and how good I harvested this thing. I cut the jalapeno off. I was like, what am I going to do with it? Oh, I'm going to make salsa. Want to hear what I did with the jalapeno? I cut it up. I grabbed a can of salsa, and I scooted the jalapeno into the salsa. I wasted this beautiful jalapeno on some paste salsa. Uh, and then I didn't even like it, because I don't like jalapenos. At least not then. I do now. Uh, but yeah, I'm no farmer, and I decided I would never farm again. You're um, adorable, uh, man. I, I know. It's just a waste of a jalapeno. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. I know a little bit about gardening, and I know a little bit about how uh, the process works. Um, and so... Um, what, what Jesus is referring to here when he says, for those who bear fruit, uh, the Lord is going to prune them. The Father prunes them. What this means is, is he's going to, um, 
he's going to cut back to allow for new growth and allow for new fruit. And so if you're bearing fruit, the Father wants you to bear more fruit. Uh, what he goes on to say uh, is that uh, if we abide in him, uh, he is going to abide in us. Uh, I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me uh, and I in him, he bears much fruit. And without me, he can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch that is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. Once again, we see this promise that was given to us last week, that when we believe in Christ and we pray, God answers our prayer. When we pray according to what God's word says, when we pray according to what God's promises are, and when we pray according to the will of the Lord, we're going to see those prayers answered. It goes on to say this, By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. He goes on to say this, and I'm going to paraphrase, because I'm really going to try and get uh, to, to a certain portion of Scripture here. I don't know if we're going to do it. I'm going to try so hard, you guys. He goes on to say uh, this in John 15, verse 13. Uh, he says, Greater love has no uh, one than this, than to lay down one's life uh, for a friend. What Jesus is doing is he is setting his disciples up, uh, giving them the preview. This is what's going to happen. I'm going to demonstrate to you guys what no greater love is. I'm going to lay down my life for you. And the disciples, they don't understand this all at once, even though Jesus had just said previously that he was going to die, that he was Messiah and it was appointed for Messiah to die. Um, but Jesus paints a picture here in this one verse uh, that really uh, should be the motivating factor for each and every single one of us as followers of Christ. No greater love is there than this, than to lay down your life for one another. And you're like, Matt, that should be a motivating factor that we go get killed for someone else? Um, no, that's not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm saying. Though uh, that is a very real truth, uh, that if you are to lay down your life for someone, you are emulating what Jesus did, and there's no greater love than that. But what I believe wholeheartedly this verse can mean to us, uh, to those of us who are not going to give up our lives in a very physical uh, manner, what this verse very specifically is saying is there's no greater love than to lay down your life. To lay down your life for someone. What does that laying down of your life look like? How many of you guys have dreams and aspirations? I've, I've heard some really uh, ridiculous and outlandish dreams and aspirations in the last two weeks. Uh, I mean, we're talking some crazy stuff. Some crazy stuff um, about owning 20 exotic cars uh, and multiple mansions. Awesome. That's cool. Good for you. The Bible says uh, we should build up our treasure where moth and rust will not destroy. Uh, I think that's a better plan. Uh, and But all this aside, uh, our dreams, our aspirations, those are great. Yeah. And, and, and some of them are God-given, and I think we are to pursue uh, these things if we are bringing honor and glory to God in these things. Now, how many of you guys, uh, you don't have to show you by a, a, a raising of hands, but uh, how many of us have maybe... Uh, a, a reputation or an ego or a sense of pride about ourselves. Uh, awesome. Uh, I said no one has to raise their hand. Notice it was only Morris's who raised their hand. Uh, awesome. Uh, you can imagine what things are like when we're waiting for the bathroom at our house. Uh, <laughs> things happen. Um, we have pride. Um, all right. All, 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 all joking aside, we all have some sense of who we are, uh, what we are, and, 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 and in some ways uh, it has become skewed by our own selves. I think what this verse really is referring to is, is in our lives, um, 
we can strive to put ourselves first. Uh, but Jesus tells us to be humble. Jesus tells us to be meek. Uh, we can strive to, hey, I am at the store. I'm in a hurry. Uh, I'm just going to run in. When this family with little kids are having a hard time, we can just hold the door for them, but we just run in, right? Okay, like, like just little things where we have opportunities to serve and be humble, but we just do things on our own. I think what this verse is referring to is uh, laying our lives down, laying our pride down, laying our ego down, laying maybe our wants and our desires down so that others can experience the love of Christ through our humility. Uh, maybe we think we have all this together um, and, and, and we're better. No, lay yourself down and, and show love. Uh, and, and what Jesus really uh, is getting at uh, is that um, when we love one another, when we love uh, those who are hurting, when we love those who are in need, by humbling ourselves, by laying ourselves down, we are truly demonstrating what Jesus did for us on the cross when he laid down his life for us. Because not every single one of us is going to have the opportunity uh, to jump in front of a, a, a van to save someone. Not, not every one of us is going to be able to take a bullet for someone. But each and every single one of us, to some level, we can lay down our lives for our friends, lay down our lives for our brothers and for our sisters. Here's the crazy thing. Lay down your life for your enemies. Jesus says, love your enemies. I mean, that's, that, that, that. there's a, a, a crazy idea. Lay down your own pride, your own ego, uh, to further one of your enemies, to pray for them, and to show Christ's love through the actions of being sacrificial. That's what it means to be a follower of Christ, is we lay ourselves down and we demonstrate Christ's love uh, through everything that we do. Jesus says in verse 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give to you. These things I have commanded to you. Picking up in verse 18, as we're going to be getting to the main part of tonight's text, uh, it says this, if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. There's just a little bit of encouragement. Um, Jesus, God, God tells uh, Elijah uh, that the kings don't hate him, that they're not coming against him. They're actually coming against God. Uh, Jesus here is, is referencing the same sentiment when he said, hey, if the world hates you, don't worry about it. They hated me first. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And so uh, we're told elsewhere in Scripture that we are to be weary uh, when the world speaks good of us. Okay. Uh, what that means is, is when everyone keeps talking good, good, good about us, I'm saying in the world, and, and, and they're not having uh, things like, oh man, they're always trying to tell me about Jesus, or man, those people, they just believe the Bible drives me crazy. When the world's not saying those kind of things, uh, we, we need to take a step back and look, are we actually doing what God has called us to do? Uh, because he said, in this world, you will face persecution. In this world, you will go through tribulations. The world will hate you from time to time, but don't worry. They hated me, and don't worry, I've overcome the world. It's all good. But he goes on to say this. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my word, then they will keep yours. So here's the thing I love that Jesus does. He, he, he gives this promise of, Hey, you know what? They persecute me. They're going to persecute you. But for those 
those who believe my word, uh, the world's going to believe your words also because they believe mine. And, and so though we're going to get persecuted, there's also going to be fruit because he said he's chosen us and appointed us to bear fruit. So thirsty. Uh, But all these things they will do to you for my name's sake, because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would have no sin. But now they have no excuses from their sin. He who hates me hates my father also. If I had not uh, done among them the works which I, uh, the, the works which no one else did, they would have no sin. But now they have seen and also have hated both me and the Father. But this happened that the world uh, that the word might be fulfilled, which is written in their law. They have hated me without cause. Here's the really good part that I want to focus on tonight and that I want to spend the rest of our time focusing on as we begin to look at chapter 16 as well. It says this in verse 26. You should underline, then, underline or highlight this in your Bible, whatever you do. Maybe if you're taking notes, write this off to the side. But John chapter 15, verse 26, he says, But when the Helper comes... Whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. This helper that Jesus is talking about, this is the Greek word paraclete. No, it's not a football term for the two things you have on your feet. Or paraclete. This is paraclete. It's the helper. A few of you laughed. It's okay. This is counselor. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and sometimes it just says counselor. It's that who comes along. He who comes along to help, to spur you on. And what does it say first and foremost that the helper will do? It says this, that he is the spirit of truth and he proceeds from the Father and he will testify of Jesus. The Holy Spirit, guys, has come to testify of Jesus. And now Jesus is going to break down in the next few verses what the Holy Spirit uh, what the Holy Spirit's role is and who the Holy Spirit is. He says this, And you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. These things I have spoken to you that you should not uh, be made to stumble. They will put you out of the synagogues. Yes, the time is coming, but whoever kills you will think that he offers God's service. And these things they will do to you because they have not known the Father nor me. But these things I have told you that when the time comes, you may remember that I told you of them and these things I did not say to you at the beginning because I was with you but now I go away to him who sent me and none of you asks me where are you going but because I have said these things you sorrow uh, uh, said these things to you sorrow has filled your hearts nevertheless I tell you the truth it is to your advantage that I go away it is to your advantage that I go away very confusing portion of scripture. Very confusing words, I think, to the disciples at this point. Jesus says, hey, it's better off without me. Things are going to be way better without me. It's to your advantage, actually, that I leave. Now we're talking disciples, these guys, they've been following Jesus since the beginning of his ministry. They've, they've, they've put all their eggs in Jesus' basket. They've said, you know what, I'm dropping everything. I'm leaving family. Uh, I'm, I'm letting the dead bury their dead and I'm leaving my family uh, I'm rejecting them and I'm following you I'm leaving my job I'm following you I'm selling all my goods and I'm following you these are people who are all in and they said Jesus we're following you you are the Messiah you are going to establish your kingdom here on earth we're following you wherever you go and Jesus says I'm glad but I'm leaving you they're like what the heck Jesus that's crazy I do you realize what you're doing? You're abandoning us. 
And he says, no, it's actually to your advantage that I leave you. Because, because he says this. He says, for if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and judgment. Of sin because they do not believe in me. Of righteousness because I go to my Father that you may uh, that you may see me no more. And of judgment because the ruler of the world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but I cannot bear them now. However, when he, not when it, we'll talk about that in just a few moments. When he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you the things that are to come. He will glorify me and he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All the things that the father uh, has are mine. Therefore, I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. Uh, the spirit of truth that is being referred to here, uh, this helper, this paraclete, uh, is, is a person of the Trinity uh, known to the church today uh, as the Holy Spirit, known to the church about 30 years ago as the Holy Ghost, uh, and, and known to uh, history uh, as uh, the, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of the Lord. Um, and scripture has many things to say about him, and theology has many things to say about him. First and foremost, Jesus refers to the Holy Spirit as a he, meaning the Holy Spirit is not some essence or some just esoteric entity that is a it. It is not uh, the wind. It is not uh, uh, in the trees or in creation. No, the Holy Spirit is a he, not an it. It's a it's a whom, not a what. Okay, like like the Holy Spirit is a person. Not as in like flesh and blood, but it is one of, uh, uh, it would be said that he is uh, the third person of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. A very real uh, person. Yeah, and, and, and is uh, directly proceeding from the Father. Um, we're going to look elsewhere in Scripture because, guys, for the rest of tonight, however long that is, uh, we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk uh, maybe what you've heard about the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk maybe what uh, the church has said about the Holy Spirit. Uh, and then we're going to look at what the scriptures say about the Holy Spirit, what Jesus says uh, about the Holy Spirit, who Jesus says the Holy Spirit is, uh, what Jesus says the Holy Spirit operations and purposes are for the church, and uh, our relationship to the Holy Spirit uh, through all uh, these things. Turn with me, if you will, um, to Acts chapter 1. And we're going to look at Acts chapter 1, uh, verse 8, because... Uh, this is a very important portion of Scripture. This is Jesus uh, in Luke's uh, account of, of what Jesus did and said in the last days is on earth. Luke, uh, getting this from direct eyewitnesses of the event, he says that Jesus said this, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the end of the earth. He says you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Um, just prior to this, Jesus told his disciples uh, to wait in Jerusalem uh, until the promise of the Father comes. Uh, this being uh, the Holy Spirit. Uh, this being the third person of the Trinity. This being the very person that Jesus said, it is better if I leave you so that he may come. Um, so I want to just ask you guys, I know I didn't send out a text prepping you guys to ask questions, uh, and, and so I, you, there might not be many questions. Uh, but I just want to hear from you, uh, and we can take a few seconds if it's going to take you just time to formulate and say, 
but what have you heard uh, about the Holy Spirit? What have you heard uh, about the purpose of the Holy Spirit? What have you heard about his operations? What have you heard uh, about uh, how he operates and moves in the church today? Uh, what are some things that you maybe have experienced with the Holy Spirit? What do you know about the Holy Spirit? And now I know some of you, we went on a, on a, on a six-week series uh, on the Holy Spirit about a year and a half ago. Uh, but we, yeah, we got a a lot of people who, who weren't here then. Uh, and so I think it's very important that we talk about the Holy Spirit because we live in a time uh, where we are in desperate need of the Holy Spirit and His presence and His power in the church. Uh, but we also live in a time uh, where a lot of the church says the Holy Spirit uh, is no longer operating in the way that He once did. Or we live in a time and a place where people say, yeah, the Holy Spirit's around, but He's not the most important thing. Which, the Holy Spirit is not the most important thing, but He is very very necessary to the everyday life of the believer. So, what have you heard? What are questions? If you have questions about the Holy Spirit, we're going to try and tackle them uh, tonight. But, but, but we're going to look at three distinct ways in the next few moments that the Holy Spirit interacts with humanity and the church. And then we're going to look at three distinct operations, gifts, uh, and ministries of the Spirit in just a second. Dave. Okay, my first question is, uh, what do you mean when you say the Holy Spirit's not the most important thing? Good question. Good question. When I say the Holy Spirit, uh, we're jumping right into answers now also, uh, because I, there needs to be some clarification. When, uh, when people say the Holy Spirit is the most important thing, um, they're, they're making Him the main emphasis. And uh, so uh, we're, we are worshiping uh, the Holy Spirit. And, and Scripture is great, but the Holy Spirit and His revelation is, is more important than that. Uh, and, and those things are not biblical. Um, the Holy Spirit's main operation is to point people back to Jesus. He's going to testify about Jesus, Jesus being the most important. Uh, and, and, and the Bible tells us that God's Word is inspired by the Holy Spirit and uh, that the direct revelation came through the Holy Spirit, but there is no new revelation. And so there's people who would elevate revelation over God's Word, uh, even if the revelation does not align itself with God's Word. And so there's a big push for spirituality rather than uh, sound doctrine. And so when I say the Holy Spirit's not the most important thing, uh, the most important thing is Jesus. And, and, and the Holy Spirit would say that because his main operation and his first operation that's talked about here in Scripture is that he will testify of Jesus. So if the Holy Spirit was the most important, uh, he would testify of his importance. But no, he, tes he testifies of Jesus' uh, importance and then elevates uh, Scripture. And, and we understand Scripture uh, as a result of the Holy Spirit, but... Uh, when I say the Holy Spirit is not the most important thing in our following of Christ, uh, we should not strive uh, to elevate the Holy Spirit more than Jesus in a personal relationship with Jesus. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Okay, okay. Good question. Good question. So yes, the Holy Spirit is very important and, and is at the very top, uh, along with a careful study of Scripture, a personal relationship with Jesus, and making disciples. Those are like four really important things to the believer. Uh, so good question. Good question. All right. Oh, sure. Um, for kids a lot of the time um, I have explained and I've heard explained that the Holy Spirit's kind of like a conscience, like a still small voice inside your head. Is that still an accurate way to look at it as adults with our own relationship with Jesus Christ? Mm -hmm. Through the Holy Spirit? Yeah, to, <laughs> to an extent. To an extent. Uh, because the Holy Spirit um, the Holy Spirit is not our conscience. Um, the, the, the Holy Spirit is very much uh, God uh, and, and though we are told that God has written his word on the tablet of our hearts that does not mean 
that our conscience is directly the Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit does, as it says here, convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. So, the right and the wrong aspect, yeah, the Holy Spirit is leading and guiding us. Jesus tells us that um, before we are following uh, him and before we give our life to him, the Holy Spirit is drawing all men unto the Father. Uh, so, so, the Holy Spirit is very, uh, very active in... Uh, giving us right, giving us wrong, and, and, and convicting the world of these things, and testifying of Jesus. Um, so I guess if you were to look at your conscience as uh, that still small voice from God uh, that's telling you right and wrong, uh, yeah, in, in many cases, if not all cases, that's the Holy Spirit. Um, but, but there should be a distinct drawing between just our conscience and the, the writing of God's law on our hearts and the actual Holy Spirit uh, moving in our lives. Any like just things you've heard on the Holy Spirit rather than questions yet? What are some? Uh, I like the questions. We can just do straight questions if you guys want to. Let's do questions. You got a question there? I got a question. Let's go with So, like, do you think decision making? Like, do you think God has already planned that you're going to be saved? And that Okay, man, you just came out of the you came out of the gate swinging. Okay, somewhat related to the Holy Spirit, not very much related to the Holy Spirit. Sorry, uh, but good question. Uh, Jesus did just say we just read it uh, that we did not choose Him; He chose us, and He appointed us to bear fruit. So that would mean that God does have a very uh, specific plan and purpose for you. Uh, that opens up a very real door of did God uh, choose us? Uh, and pre- yeah, we definitely did not choose God gotcha. uh, on, on, on the grand scheme of things. Okay. God for sure chose uh, you, um, but, but you play a very real uh, role uh, in that, in, in, in that you made a decision to follow Jesus. Yeah. So from our earthly perspective, yes, you chose to follow Jesus. But, but what I always tell people is choose to follow Jesus and find out Jesus chose you. Yeah. And, and, and Jesus wishes that none would perish, but people do perish. So does that mean God sucks at choosing? No. God knows the end from the beginning. And so uh, then it brings up the question, uh, well, does God foreknow things or did God predestine things? Did God create people for destruction and some people for salvation? I do not believe that. I believe everyone has the chance and everyone has the opportunity. But people uh, choose to reject what God has done. Well, exactly. But, but on the same token, God knows who's going to choose him from the beginning. And so from that side of things, it looks very much like God chose some people and God rejects some people. Uh, but, but we play a role in that. And so that opens up many deeper theological points and discussions that question. we're not going to get into tonight. Um, uh, what's your question? I'm sorry. <laughs> so I'm wondering, since we already messed up, like, as a ge- generation, like, I mean, like, as humanity, like, okay. from very get-go from Adam and Eve, mm-hmm. if we messed up, do you think that can happen again? Like another fall? Yeah. No, no, no. We've already fallen from, from the highest of heights. Okay. And, and it, the Bible tells us that for every, uh, uh, all, for all have sinned and fall short. We've all sinned. We've all fall short. There's not going to be like some second fall because okay. uh, it's already sin's already in the world. Yeah. Um, I think it means when sin's like no longer part of the world. Is that what you mean? Yeah. Oh. Okay. Okay. Good call. Good call. Uh, no. No. Uh, because because when when 
went from Calvinism versus Arminianism to now uh, <laughs> eschatology. Well done, man. Well done. I'm trying. Uh, we're talking about the Holy Spirit tonight. <laughs> uh, it's all good, though. It's all good. Uh, will there be another fall? Uh, no, because uh, we will no longer be existing in time uh, and space uh, and matter. We will be existing uh, in eternity. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, and okay. so then someone could ask the question, well, didn't Satan fall during eternity? Well, no, Satan actually fell once God had created time. Satan fell during the time Adam and Eve were in the garden. And, and, and so... Uh, really? Yeah, yeah. And we could spend hours talking Sorry. about the theology of that. Uh, that's great. Ben, I love that you have questions. Ben's back after a while. He's been working Tuesday nights, but he's always got questions. I love it. Um, a much cooler mantle that will be sewed upon us as co-heirs in Christ. I kind of blew my mind when I had this read to me. Uh, supposedly, at some point, we're even, we'll be have the authority to judge angels, which blew my mind when I heard that, because I can't, I can't imagine myself having that kind of authority over an angel. Eternity is going to be amazing. And, uh, and, and, and Yeah, yeah. And, and, and God has very cool plans for those who uh, he has uh, appointed and, and those who have decided to follow him. So, very cool, very cool. Um, other questions, Dan? Uh, does the Holy Spirit give us gifts? Yes, absolutely. What are all those gifts? Yeah, good question, good question. Hold <laughs> us back in. Hold us back in. He must be on staff. I love it. Uh, you always keep an intern in the front row. I love it. Okay. Um, yeah, we're going to talk about that uh, for a little bit. First, I just want to cover a point I was going to cover before this. I thought it might come up, but it didn't come up, so we're just going to hit it now. The Holy No, 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 no. It has nothing to do with you. Uh, it has everything to do with everyone. Um, the, the Holy Spirit, guys, uh, operates with humanity in three very distinct ways. One, before salvation, he is drawing all men unto the Father. Okay, so the Holy Spirit is drawing men uh, before salvation. At the time of salvation, Jesus, he said this to his disciples. He said, I breathe into you, now receive the Holy Spirit. Okay, uh, So the Holy Spirit comes into us. The Holy Spirit takes up residence inside of us at the point of salvation. When you gave your heart to Jesus, the Holy Spirit took up residence inside of you. You have had the Holy Spirit since Salvation. There are some theologies that the Holy Spirit is not in you at salvation. There is a subsequent that takes place when you are baptized in the Holy Spirit, and that's when you get the Holy Spirit. That's not true. But baptism in the Holy Spirit is very true. Yeah. Okay, it's very true. Jesus tells them in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit not is in you, but when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And that is the third way the Holy Spirit operates with humanity is he comes upon the believer and empowers the believer. So we have the Holy Spirit drawing, we have the Holy Spirit indwelling, and we have the Holy Spirit coming upon. Does that make sense? Yes. Sir. And there's a distinct difference between indwelling and coming upon. Some, some Christian churches would teach that you don't have the Holy Spirit until the coming upon, and that coming upon instigates indwelling. Some people say that the indwelling and the coming upon are the same thing. Both of those are false. There's indwelling and a subsequent coming upon of the Holy Spirit. Otherwise, Jesus wouldn't have had to tell his disciples, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will receive power, because they had already received the Holy Spirit in an indwelling form. Does that make sense? Yes, sir. That's right. Lots of hands moving here. Uh, but we're making it work here. Uh, so three distinct times. Drawing, indwelling, coming upon. Coming upon. And at the indwelling, we have the Holy Spirit as 
the surety or the earnest of our salvation. We have the Holy Spirit, so our salvation is secure. Let me say that again. So when the Holy Spirit, when you receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit indwells in you, takes up residence inside you, and he is the surety, he's the down payment, the deposit of the hope that you have. And when the Holy Spirit takes up residence inside of you, your salvation is secured in heaven. Now here's the thing. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, which is a subsequent occasion. Dan? Isn't there a story that the Holy Spirit leads someone in the Bible? Yes. Yes. So you're supposed to bring us back on the topic. Yeah, no, I'm just messing. No, okay. So Samson, the Bible tells us one of the saddest verses in Scripture. Uh, it, it says this. Samson did not even know that the Spirit of God had left him. That is a very scary place to be when you are so far away from God that you don't even know when the Spirit has left you. Uh, so is salvation, uh, do, do we have, uh, can you lose your salvation? Yeah, you can. You can't lose it like you lose a pair of socks. Like, where did I put my salvation? Uh, but you can choose to walk away from your salvation. Yeah. Okay? Uh, this is the best way I've ever seen it. Um, God's not going to drop you. God's not dropping you. We're told in Hebrews that, 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 that Jesus is the anchor for our soul. And he is the forerunner who has gone behind the veil. That does not mean that Jesus has run the race in front of us and he's shown us the way to do it, as is taught many, many times. Forerunner is actually the name of a small Greek ship that would bring anchors into shore in big harbors. A ship would drop anchor into a forerunner. A forerunner would take the anchor and secure it on land and slowly begin to crank the ship back into harbor. So when Hebrews is saying that Jesus is our anchor, he's not saying that we're an anchor during a storm. No, he's saying, I've secured you already in heaven, and I am drawing you to heaven, but we can still cut the anchor cord. So God's not going to drop us, but we can walk away from God. And so that's how losing salvation works. It's not like, oh, where'd it go? God must have just forgot about me. No, God is going to continue to do a good work in you. He who started a good work in you will see it through till the end but you can walk away from it. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so we can walk away, and at that point we walk so far away, we don't even realize when the Spirit is left. Yeah. Do you have a verse for that? The, uh, the, the, the Hebrews one? Uh, that would be in Judges. I don't know. Yeah, it's in Judges. I would say... Uh, so that the believer, and then they stepped away, and they went far away. Like off the deep end? Yeah, and... and I would say, and if this opens up other doors, that it's a good thing I'm not God, uh, because I'd be a terrible God. Uh, but but when the Spirit would leave an individual, it would open up the the, the question: uh, Has that person uh, legitimately blasphemed the Spirit? Um, and and that's a real, very real question that's asked. Uh, and people say all the time, I don't know if I blaspheme the Spirit. I don't know. I know that's unforgivable sin. I don't know. Uh, if you're worried about it, you haven't. Because cool. you're still acknowledging that there's God. Yeah. And which means you have not blasphemed the Spirit. Samson, uh, he did not blaspheme the Spirit because he's redeemed at the end of the story. And the Spirit of God definitely fills him again and gives him power. Um, but, but, what this means for a Christian uh, who walks away from the Lord, um, there, there are uh, Christians who have back, like backslidden, who are still followers of Christ, they're just away. There are also those who were self-deceived. So who in the moment thought they were Christians, but were really not Christians. The number one warning of the New Testament is do not be self-deceived. So what does that mean to us as far as Christ? Uh, we need to bear fruit. 
because we were just told that if we're not bearing fruit, then we're being cut away and we're self-deceived. We were just told uh, just a few weeks ago in the parable of the sower that, that uh, some seed falls on rocky soil and it springs up quick. It looks good, but it withers because it had no root. And so we as followers of Christ, we need to be sure uh, that we uh, are following Christ, that we are bearing fruit, and, and that we are truly living for the Lord, and we will bear fruit. And when we bear fruit, we can know for sure that we're saved, and that we're not self-deceived. And, and so Paul gives us many outlines of how to know that we're uh, not self-deceived. But there are those who are going to backslide, who end up saying, you know what, Jesus, I'm following you. At the end of the day, I might not be living for you, but I'm following you, and, and I'm putting my faith and my trust in you. And when it comes to, 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 to pushing, I don't even know what the colloquialism I'm trying to say is, but, but, but when the rubber meets the road, that's what I was looking for. Uh, they're saying, I'm putting my faith in Jesus. But then there's those who said, I, maybe I was, I don't know, but I'm not. So, uh, so yeah, uh, Dan, good question, and Logan, good question. So there's those three ways the Holy Spirit uh, operates uh, with humanity. Dan asked the question, does the Holy Spirit give us gifts? And I said, yes. Um... In our understanding, uh, we, we like to say gifts all the time. Uh, the Bible actually does not say the Holy Spirit gives us gifts. Uh, that's an addition from man to try and help bring clarity that actually brings uh, much confusion. If we talk about gifts and all these things, uh, but really it's operations, manifestations uh, of the Holy Spirit uh, and, and, and ministries. So operations, manifestations, and ministries uh, of the Holy Spirit. Uh, you can write these down, uh, and I think this would be a very important place, uh, or a very important thing to write down, or maybe underline uh, in your Bibles, uh, but Romans chapter 12, okay, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 12, uh, and uh, 12 through 14, uh, a lot of times when people talk about the Holy Spirit, they just skip 13, but 13 is talking all about the Holy Spirit also. We tend to say this is the love chapter, it is, but it's all about the Holy Spirit, and, and, and so we'll get to that in a second. Uh, that? Acts two. Uh, yeah, Act, Acts two. Acts two would would be when the Holy Spirit was pulled out, uh, pour, poured out. But uh, what we're looking at now is the operations, and, and that would be uh, Romans twelve, First uh, Corinthians uh, twelve through fourteen, and Ephesians chapter five. Uh, and, and so we're going to look at all these uh, and what these have to do with us <laughs> as followers of Christ. Uh, and we're going to try and do that in the little bit of time we have left. But we want to bring some clarity about the Holy Spirit. Because in the church and in the history of the church, there's been a lot of things that have brought confusion rather than clarity. And there's been a lot of things that have been blamed on the Holy Spirit that aren't the Holy Spirit. It's just man acting spiritual, not inspired by the Holy Spirit. Because uh, the Holy Spirit, as, as the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians, uh, brings order, not disorder. Uh, the Holy Spirit is not uh, some hoopla, wah, 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 crazy. Uh, he's order. There's order in the Holy Spirit, there's and, there's, and, 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 and there's order in the way the Holy Spirit does things. It's uh, it's the way I heard it best described is uh, there's jet fuel in a rocket, right, or rocket fuel in a rocket, uh, and, and like this is jet fuel in a jet, rocket fuel in a rocket. Uh, but there's a lot of fuel, and if it was all ignited at once, it would make a gigantic explosion. But it's controlled and it's regulated, and as uh, the space shuttle is going up into space. It's regulated and controlled, and a controlled burn uh, is the way the Holy Spirit operates. It's not a giant explosion that lays waste to things, but it's controlled. It brings us to new heights. So that was a really cool point. Now I was like, yeah, I'm going to reuse that. 
Here's the thing. Um, the, 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 uh, you know where I'm using that from, don't you, Dan? You do. <laughs> of course you do. Um, but uh, uh, here's the thing that I want to say about the Holy Spirit, uh, first and foremost. Jesus said it's better that he leaves so that we can have the Holy Spirit. Um, last night, uh, I made some macaroni and cheese. Uh, I made 15, in, uh, 15 cheese mac and cheese. We're talking so much cheese is an overload. Would you rather have just a box of crap, it's simple, or would you have crazy mac and cheese? Yeah, you you, you want more cheese because more cheese is good. And, 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 and that's the way that's the way our life as followers of Christ is. I, I, I could enumerate all the different cheeses. It was crazy. Uh, but we can have just a simple blue box, craft macaroni and cheese Christian life. It's great. We're still eating mac and cheese. Or we can have an abundance of just homemade, gourmet, crazy abundance of everything mac and cheese. And that, that, that's like life with the Holy Spirit. Yes. So why didn't you bring mac and cheese for all of us? Yeah. Oh, sorry? <laughs> um, I'll, I'll make it again sometime for a barbecue. Um, Okay, Romans chapter 12. Literally, I have no clue what time it is. We have three minutes. Um, you can do that. You, you just keep going. Okay, here, here we go. go. I just got permission from two of you to keep going, so we're going to do it. This is what it says. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say... Through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. So God is going to be dealing out these things. For as many, uh, for as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. So we, being many, are one body in Christ and individually. Uh, members of one another having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us let us use them if prophecy let us prophesy in the portion to our faith if ministry let us use it in ministering he who teaches in teaching he who exhorts in exhortation he who gives let him give liberally he who leads uh, with diligent and show uh, he who shows mercy let him show with cheerfulness so these gifts of the holy spirit these are the gifts of the Holy Spirit, uh, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to enumerate those for you if you're taking notes, um, because there's a lot of things that are classified as gifts of the Holy Spirit that aren't gifts, rather manifestations and operations, but these are the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Prophecy, ministry, teaching, exhortation, generosity, leadership, and mercy. Those are the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And we are to operate in the measure of faith which we have. So, if you are someone who's generous, be generous. And give liberally. Like, be generous. If you're someone who has mercy, do it cheerfully. Extend mercy. If you're someone uh, who ministers, minister. Do it. Exhort, exhort. Teach. Teach in the gifting you have. Uh, If you're someone uh, who who prophesies, prophesy. If you're someone um, who... uh, 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 sorry, I lost it. No, I said them all. I said them all. Boom. Uh, and, and so do these, uh, and, and, and if this is how you've been gifted, uh, do them. These are uh, gifts for the believer, for the edification and, and the building up of the church. Now turn with me, if you will. We don't have time by any means to read 
uh, all of 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 12, chapter 13, and chapter 14. But we're going to look at some specific verses. It says this, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. Here's that word gifts. But in most of your Bibles, if not all your Bibles, gifts is in italics. What italics means in your Bible is that that is a word that was added by translators to try and bring clarity. Okay? Uh, but these are not gifts. These are spirituals. These are manifestations uh, of uh, the Holy Spirit. It says this, uh, You know that you were once uh, Gentiles carried away uh, by dumb idols. Uh, I love it that the Bible says dumb idols. It's like, <laughs> you dumb. Uh, however, uh, you were led. Therefore, uh, I make known to you that no one speaks by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences in ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities in activities, but the same God who works in all. So the diversities in spirit, uh, I mean, the, the diversities in gift, but the same spirit, that's referring to Romans chapter 12. Okay? The same spirit giving gifts. Uh, there are different ministries, uh, but the same Lord, this being Jesus, ministries of Jesus, this is uh, what it's being referred to in Ephesians. And we're going to get to that in a second. But the activities uh, that are different, diversity, but the same God who works in all, these are the works of God, the manifestations, the activities of God by His Holy Spirit. Verse 7 says, But the manifestations of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For one is given words of wisdom through the Spirit, to another words of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing, by the same Spirit, another the working of miracles, another prophecy, another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, uh, to another interpretation of these tongues. But one and the same Spirit works in all things, distributing to each one individually as He wills. The activities of the Spirit are different than the gifts, but it is the same God who is giving them. And what these activities and manifestations are, uh, are words of wisdom, words of knowledge, faith, healing, but they're gifts of healing. Uh, and, and, and this is one that's been misused in Christianity. Uh, but but, but uh, one does not have the gift of healing. One has uh, the faith, which is there, and then God administers the gift of healing from heaven. Okay. Um, then we have uh, not only gifts of healing, but others working of miracles, prophecy, discernment, uh, speaking in tongues, and interpretation of tongues. Okay. Speaking in tongues is a very real operation and manifestation of the Holy Spirit, and it is for the church today. Okay. Uh, and, and each and every single believer can speak in tongues. Okay. But for some. Okay, uh, this is the part where we have to be very careful about theology, because there's some theology that you're not baptized in the Holy Spirit unless you speak in tongues. But that is not what the Bible tells us. In most cases in the New Testament, this is what happened. But in other cases in the book of Acts, when people were baptized in the Spirit, they spoke the Word of God with boldness. And so that is a evidence of being baptized in the Holy Spirit. Discernment, faith, prophecy, all evidences of being baptized in the Holy Spirit. So, it says this, but one, uh, but one and the same Spirit works through all things, distributing to each individually as He wills. Okay? The Holy Spirit is the one who wills. 
what manifestations, operations that you're going to have when you receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And what is the purpose for us receiving power when the Holy Spirit comes upon us? Is it so that we can speak in tongues? Is it so that we can prophesy? Is it so that we can have words of knowledge and words of wisdom and build one another up? No. What is the purpose of the empowerment of the Holy Spirit? So that we can be witnesses for Jesus. The Holy Spirit's main purpose is to testify of Jesus. Jesus himself said you receive power so you can be a witness. The Holy Spirit is to uh, show the world who Christ is through you. Paul goes on to enumerate in chapter 14 about how it is much better to not speak in tongues if you're going to just keep babbling, but to speak intelligible words so that the world may know. Yeah. Tongues is very important. Okay, It's great, and it's the building up and the edifying of the believer. But it has its order and its operation and that should not be the main thing that we strive for. We should strive to see the lost find Jesus as a result of the Spirit empowering us to be witnesses. Now, the people who say that the gifts of the Spirit do not exist uh, today, and, and they're not for today, they were just for the first century, uh, chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians breaks that down, why they are still here today. It says, uh, now we prophesy in part. Um, it we still prophesy today, and it goes on to say, but when the perfect has come, we will no longer need these things. Some people say the word of God is the perfect that is to come. That's just bad hermeneutics. The perfect that's being referred to is heaven. We're not going to need to speak in tongues when we get to heaven because we're going to be seeing God face to face. We're not going to have to have gifts of healing because there's not going to be people sitting on the side of the streets of gold with cancer. We're not going to have to pray for them. We're not going to have to give words of knowledge because we're there with God. Uh, we're not going to have discerning spirits is there something going up in heaven because we're in the presence of God? Are we going to need uh, any of these operations in heaven? No. So when the perfect comes, we don't need them. But now, here on earth, these gifts, these manifestations are still very much for today. Lastly, the ministries of the Spirit uh, are found here uh, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. And they say this, And he himself has given some to be apostles, prophets, to, uh, apostles some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and teachers. Uh, this is the fivefold uh, ministry of the Lord. Uh, the, the, this, uh, these are operations of the Spirit, but they're the ministries of the Lord, and that is to be uh, apostles, those who are the sent out ones, prophets, those who are, who are the revealers of truth, evangelists, those who bring uh, the gospel and, and who teach the gospel, then pastors, those who are shepherds of flocks, and teachers, those who do teaching. In the American church, we've kind of clumped, lumped all five of these together, uh, but these are five distinct um, ministries of, of of the Lord, and so that was not a, a that was just a very brief overview uh, of the Holy Spirit and, and the things that He does, and and we can talk at later points uh, about uh, the Holy Spirit and what He does. But but know this uh, and, and know this for sure. Jesus said it is to our advantage that He leaves so that we can have the Holy Spirit. Uh, and if you put your faith in Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit. Be assured that you have the Holy Spirit, but, 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 Jesus says you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And if you have not yet been baptized in the Holy Spirit, that is something to seek out. Because like I said, would you rather, uh, would you rather just have a blue box of macaroni and cheese, or would you have the gourmet thing? Terrible analogy. Would you rather have, have like, just watch the game on TV, or would you have courtside seats, meet the players, hang out? You want to have more. You want to have more, and especially when it comes to the things of the Lord. Are you, are, are you just content 
going through life, being chilled, you're saved, punch the ticket, but just kind of sit in the background, still love Jesus, worship Jesus, raise your hands in church, but sit in the background, or do you want to be on the forefront, winning souls, doing crazy things for the name of Jesus? Because if you want to do crazy things for the name of Jesus, that comes with the empowering and the baptizing of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said that John baptized with water, but I'm going to baptize with fire. And the Holy Spirit is there for us. And he's right there. And the Bible tells us that if we pray a prayer of faith, believing we receive. Guys, you pray that the Holy Spirit would empower you. All it takes is a willing vessel, and he will use you. And he will use you to do great things. But you just got to believe it. And don't doubt it. And don't doubt it. Don't be like, all right, Jesus, I want your Holy Spirit. Fill me up. I wonder if he did. He probably didn't. You're probably not going to operate in the power that comes in the Spirit if you don't even believe you're empowered. But if you offer up the prayer of faith, believing you receive. And so pray, hey, that the Lord would fill you, that his Spirit would fill you up and empower you, and then go from this place and operate in the power that you have. Don't doubt. Believe. Jesus said when you're in trouble, believe, believe, believe. And so I want to encourage you guys tonight. We prayed many times at Ecclesia that, that, that we would receive baptism of the Holy Spirit. 100% believe that, that that is real, and that is for today. And, and I believe it is necessary for the believer. Not necessary for salvation, but necessary for our witness. If you want to be a witness for Christ, you can witness for Christ and see maybe one or two people get saved. That's awesome. Praise God. I'm not discounting that at all. But you want to see 10? You want to see 15? You want to see 20? You want to see cities won for Jesus? That only comes by the power of the Holy Spirit operating in the believer and in the church. So I just want to encourage you guys tonight uh, as we're talking about the Holy Spirit. Jesus said it is better that he goes so that we can have his spirit. Let's take that and run with that and say, Jesus, I want your spirit. Fill me up and believe it. Believe it. Believe it. And don't just believe it and sit down. Believe it and get up and go run. And let the world know who is running this. And that's Jesus sitting on the throne of your life, empowered by the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Dear God, we just thank you so much. God, we thank you that your word is true. God, that you are not the author of confusion, but God, you bring order and not disorder. God, uh, forgive the church for times where we have made uh, the Holy Spirit out to be something weird, where we have uh, not given the Holy Spirit enough uh, room and freedom to move. Uh, God, I pray that you uh, would give us discernment, each and every single one of us. God, that you would give us discernment. God, that we would see your spirit moving. God, that we would allow your spirit to move. God, we thank you that your Holy Spirit is alive and in the church today and operating in the church today. God, we thank you that we can receive power when your Holy Spirit has come upon us. God, we thank you that you have given us your Holy Spirit as a deposit uh, in the assurance of our hope. But God, we want more. We want more. We want more of your presence. We want more of your spirit. We want more of your power. So God, I just pray, God, like Peter prayed there in the first century, God, that you would pour out your spirit upon your people. And God, your word tells us that if we offer up a prayer of faith, believing we receive it. And so God, I pray for each and every single one of us. For those who, who have been baptized in the spirit, God, I pray that we would be continually renewed by your spirit. God, you would continue to pour your spirit into us and continue to give us power to see lives changed and power to be witnesses. And God, to those of us who have put our faith in you, but we have not been baptized in the Spirit, God, I pray that each and every single one of us 
would have an encounter with your spirit tonight. And, and God, maybe as we're even going home and we're lying down in our beds, God, as we begin to pray and we say, God, pour out your spirit upon me. I want more of your spirit, God. I want your power baptized in your spirit. God, I pray that you would do it right then in God, believing that we would receive. And God, some will speak in tongues, God. Some will speak words of wisdom and words of knowledge, God. To some, you're going to give more faith and discernment. To others, the gift of prophecy. God, maybe you're going to give someone a call to be an apostle and to be a missionary, God. And, and, and to some, you're going to call to the ministry. Uh, God, others, you're going to just give an abundance of generosity and mercy. God, it is the same Spirit who gives uh, God liberally as He wills and the diversity there within. God, I pray that we would see this church, God, even this small group of, of young adults, God, so operating in the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. There's a genuine move of the Holy Spirit, God, and this community is reached because your people are empowered by your Spirit and being witnesses of your Son. So, God, we thank you. Believing, we receive. And, God, we thank you for your Spirit who you have poured out. And, God, uh, we just pray all these things in your Son's wonderful and beautiful name, Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Amen.